record the record, a new series of conversations among the archival studies faculty of the UP School of Library and Information Studies. Every episode, we talk about issues and experiences with records in our everyday life. I am Aira Bonroso Chotab, and with me are my fellow faculty members in UP SNIS. We have Jonathan Isis. Hi, Nathan. Hello. And we also have Bono Gado. Hi, Bono. Hi there. Who's Hi, everyone. And who is, who is on a different time zone? What time is it there? It's 10.53 p.m. on a 10. Friday night. On a Friday night. Thanks for joining. Yeah, I hope you're not yet sleepy. No, okay pa naman. Okay, so you do it for the love of archives. Thank no. you, Bob. <laughs> All right, so this is our second episode. Yay! Thank you so much for watching our pilot episode and for those who listen to our podcast. Thanks so much. So in our first episode, we, we talked about or we discussed the, some important principles in archives and records management, and that includes um, power, authority, and transparency, and of course, the usefulness and even unusefulness of records in our everyday life. So we use um, what are those records again? The, the quarantine pass and the SAC forms as our examples. And we deconstructed those records using their qualities such as the content, the context, and the So thank you so much once again for joining us in our pilot episode. And also thank you for your comments and feedback. Okay, so we're reading all those comments and we're taking note of those. And please keep them coming. Can, can, can I talk about the, the feedback that we received? Yeah, well, what, what, are, what are some of the feedbacks? Okay. I, I did not go through them. Oh, yeah. I saw some feedback on Facebook, and some people were, were sending me messages on Facebook as well. So I think one of the, one of the feedback that we received is that can we use more Filipino words and sentences in our discussion, in our conversation, or even Taglish, combination of Tagalog and English? Can we do that? Pwede naman. Sure. Oh, definitely, no? Pwedeng pwede po. At marami Hola. pong salamat. Yes, marami pong salamat sa suggestion. We will definitely do that. Of course, first episodes are the testing ground, no? Para kang nanonood lang ng series or Korean drama. But during the first episode, okay, this is so dragging. And then we'll get a chance in the second episode. So speaking of second episode, we also received um, some suggestions on the succeeding topics for our next episode. So meron tayong database literacy for Barakay. We all received um, some suggestions that I think it is yung kahalagahan ng records or pagkakaroon ng centralized database for records in the local government levels or even in the national government and what can we do as records professionals to promote um, good records management practices and archiving at the government level. So if we look at this suggestion, really, we could really see that records are really important for identification and all. So the reason why we want to have a centralized database or gusto on a proper records management or archiving practices and dahil gusto natin na mapadali yung pagtroseso ng mga 
activities ng government and at the same time for the government to easily identify people and to, to, for them to, for the government to efficiently give services and distribute goods um, to the people. So speaking of uh, identification, so this is our second episode. So we relate records with identity. So records as forms of identification and their affordances and limits. So, natin for this episode, yung paggamit natin ng records and at this, for identification, and at the same time, yung mga limitasyon ng mga records na ginagamit natin o yung mga records na nire-require sa atin. Okay? So, Bono. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember you had... Uh, you had this record from, or this letter from Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Well, it was uh, so. Parang I was looking at it uh, again after our after we shot our first episode. Tapos napansin ko, um, it has all my information, right? It's like my name, my address, um, all of the other stuff. But then mm -hmm. the letter stated started with like my fellow Americans, and I'm like I'm not an American. Um, <laughs> I'll take money. Yeah, but it's 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 in, it's interesting because it's it's a reminder of how um especially for us, like uh, I know Nathan uh, lived in the UK for a while and then Ira, you lived in Singapore. Um I live back and forth um here in the US. I used to live in New York, now in, I'm in California. Um we're constantly reminded that we're foreign bodies. Um, in a like foreign land, and how our forms of identification, whether it's our like passport, student visa, letters such as this, um, it's a constant reminder um, and and an object that we use to identify ourselves and for others to identify us properly as well. But yeah, it's 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 been very tricky. It's like if there's one frustrating one of pet peeve go when it comes to figuring out records is any record that has to do with with borders, identification and borders, like passport, visa. Um, it's just, it's it's frustrating because <laughs> I have to carry them around and I have to apply to get these things um, just to assert uh, who I am. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, I guess it's one of those things that we're going to, to, to talk about um, in this particular episode, Kaiba, uh, when you when you guys were living in in Singapore or in the UK, were there any particular forms of identification um, that um, struck you? Um, yeah, when I was living in the UK, a big part of my identity was my biometric residence permit. It's the equivalent of the visa for staying in the UK, and every single transaction that you do, opening an account. Um, getting any other identification, you need to present that uh, BRP. As well, I remember when I applied for my provisional driving license and I had to send my passport away by mail. So it was for two weeks. I didn't have my passport with me and it felt like a big part of me was missing. The thing is, when you go outside of the country, the only valid identification that you have will be identification, your passport, or identification that the host country issued you, which would be the BLP or any other licenses that you have. 
which meant when I when I didn't have my passport, I didn't really have any other form of, of identification. So who am, who am I? What can I do? I can't access any services without being able to show that ID. Uh, even the concept of, oh, it's fine, you have a school ID, you have a work ID. But outside of the places that have issued that identification, it doesn't really have meaning. It doesn't hold any power. And I think even here in the Philippines, we know that when we're transacting with government offices, when we're asked for a valid ID, how many times have we tried presenting our UP ID? Well, technically, UP is a government office, but it's not considered a government-issued ID and thus it doesn't have that same level of uh, power and identity that an official ID gives you. Yeah, speaking of um, government IDs here in the Philippines, it's so funny that you don't have an ID, so you're applying for another government-issued ID, but they will require you to, to present to the IDs. So uh, what if I don't have one, right? So it's, you know, that's, that's the good thing about here in the Philippines when applying for, for those kinds of identifications. So going back to your question, Bono, yeah, of course. Um, in Singapore, you can stay there as a tourist for 30 days. But uh, of course, when you go beyond those number of days, pass. Uh, you must have a student pass or uh, a work pass, a working pass. So it depends on your on your category, you know, in sa kanila. So so you have to apply for it. And of course, there are requirements before you can qualify to get the, to do those IDs. Um, but actually, yeah, I, I didn't really have to carry it around with me all the time. Maybe because, um, I, I don't know, probably because I am blending in with the people. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know anyone who got, um, you know, who got questioned because they did not bring their IDs with them, except for some circumstances that you really have to present your, your identification. We call it the IC. Well, it's not so much that you always have to carry it around, but it's the knowledge that when you need it, mm -hmm. you have oh, something yeah. to show, you have something to say, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. That's the interesting part, right? But um, if, like as an exercise for anyone, if you, if you go, if you go uh, pick up your wallet and you look at all the IDs that you have there. Yeah, that's um, true. It's a lot, a lot, like a lot can be said, right? Like a story about a particular person or who that person is uh, can be drawn from like the collection of, of IDs um, mm. that one would have inside um, one's wallet. So I don't have my wallet with me. I have my wallet with me. What's your EDC? What are your identification cards and what does it say about you? What's inside your wallet? Really? <laughs> Okay, so here I have my cards, my postal ID, my student ID in Singapore, EU, which we can also use as a cash card and an MRT and BAS card. My, my UP ID and UM ID. My IKEA card. <laughs> of course, we don't have IKEA here, but still here. My Starbucks card. 
So looking at looking at your set of IDs, uh, one can parang draw na um, you're an you're 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 a faculty member at UP, a uh, former student um, at NDU from Singapore, an mm-hmm. avid lover of coffee and furniture. <laughs> um, and it it speaks a lot, right? Like buying those 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 yeah. ID cards, those records that we carry out, carry with us provides us access to certain services, yeah. certain spaces, um, and at the same time uh, asserts like our identities in terms of who we are, what we do, what we like. Um, so it's like there's a lot that that a particular ID card can actually say, um, besides from from just like what's my name, yeah. Yeah, and even the photos inside your wallet. Photos, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your favorite? My favorite, my favorite photo in my ID was uh, my first, I my second year ID in Ateneo. That was like the best. Oh. Um, everything else, I kind of look. <laughs> yeah, so I know. I just remembered when you were talking about photos and IDs. One of my late mentor, was long ago. Um, told me to always have my ID taken in UP. I'm not sure whether I should mention it, but I actually have four different UP IDs, UP student IDs. Because what she told me was, have your photo taken regularly, and it will show how you're growing up in the university. It's not just the identification, but rather how you change it. Even when talking about the UP ID, since I've I've moved from the College of Engineering to SLIS. The text in the ID also changes. Oh, you, you're no longer studying to be an engineer. You're now studying to be <laughs> an architect. Aside from your physical evolution, right? Yeah. yeah. So we can see there is like the like the, the initial primary value of the ID, which is to be used as an identification during a very particular time, right? Like in your in that case, yung uh, time mo bilang isang estudyante sa UP. Eventually, uh, will validity at a certain point because you're no longer a student. But then um, it starts having like a secondary value, as you mentioned, like your own personal history, um, tracing like your changes like physically or your your um, historical background or progression in 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 UP as you change programs. Um, so yeah, there's 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 I I find. IDs fascinating as as a form of record. And that's when IDs become frustrating, when IDs become frustrating, when the identity they're supposed to be evidencing is not the identity that you currently possess. Mm -hmm. So for example, sometimes when you have a diving license, what they do is, even though they ask in the renewal form what your current weight is, what your current height is, they never bother updating it in the database, so that when they print the new diving license and give it to you, it's still your old, old weight and old height, which is frustrating when you're trying to lose weight and you've achieved a good weight loss. But also, why, why do you need weight and height on, on a diving license, on an identification in the first place? I can understand um, listing blood type, emergency contacts in case of emergencies, but What's the point of height and weight? I don't have a driver license, so I don't know why. So I, I was thinking, will it have any effect on your 
cater to the drive or underweight or overweight. But then again, that's correct, right? Um, why, when something has, um, for example, an information about the person holding the identification card has already changed, and then if you're updating your or reapplying for another identification card, why don't you update also that, that information, like the weight or height? This is like supposedly those information, the height and weight, is so that the person who's looking at your ID can look at your can look at your ID, look at you, and say, "Yeah, this is you," right? Mm -hmm. But then, so what happens if if the person who owns the ID gained weight, like is two hundred pounds, but the ID says that he's one hundred pounds? As the one actually assessing the situation, will you be like, "Yeah, this is not you," or "This ID is not valid"? So um, but at the same time, it's like, how can you actually do it? Because people's weight just change. Um, they can, I mean, like right now in the pandemic, I'm pretty sure we're gaining weight um, <laughs> every single week. So we're all going to look very different from our IDs um, pre-pandemic. So, And talking about things that change in the IDs, I believe Ira, you've had some frustrations with your name in your ID card. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, I, I know that my name is hard to spell because my name is unique, my first and my last name, much more when I changed my name to my married name, my single name to a married name. So I opted to have my name hyphenated in my uh, government records, for example, in, in the university or in, in GSIS, and like EBIG, PhilHealth. And it took how many years before they accepted my request to change my name? I got married in 2013, and then when I checked my records in, in this um, government office, they haven't updated my, my name yet. So this actually led to two sets of records for me, one for my married name and one for my maiden name. So I'm weird, I'm weird that I got, and it's also difficult to explain to these people that um, in accordance to our law, I, I could really use my, uh, I could really use or retain my maiden name or even hyphenate my husband's name, my husband's last name. So I'm here to explain this to Canada. Probably it's also cultural because most of the time um, they would expect married women to totally uh, adopt their husband's name, their husband's last name. So it's kind of rare for them to, to see men applying or changing their names to a hyphenated one or even retaining their maiden name for that matter. So, I have some IDs with me na maiden name pa rin, and then I also have my IDs na hyphenated. But I don't ID with, uh, with my husband's last name on it. So, so I mean, two sets of IDs now. Just to, you know, and it really defeats the purpose of standardizing your, your personal records for consistency. Because it's because of And at the same time, it also says a lot about the formation of your identity and who defines that identity. Um, I just want to throw in the concept of the records continuum. 
and okay. how these records, while they are individual um, evidences, have a larger implication towards um, collective identity. And mm -hmm. for example, when we are talking about the married name in your identification, this identity is not just your identity, but rather an identity imposed on you by society. So talking about why, why do I have to define myself by my married name? Why do I have to define myself by my given name at birth? And things like those. Yeah, and that speaks a lot about um, the limitations of the records, of specifically IDs in terms of reflecting our identities. Uh, because as Nathan just mentioned, um, by the very nature of the form, the structure, um, of, of these identification cards, it's, it's still a mechanism of categorization, right? So, uh, for example, if, if, you look, if you look at a particular ID, specifically in the Philippines, your option for gender or sex will just be pure binary of like male or female, um, which might not be a, a, an issue for cisgendered people, but for our trans, um, colleagues, uh, for our trans uh, friends and lovers, um, it's very difficult because then they look at a particular ID and they have to, to be reminded that they are not being acknowledged by the state or by the office or by the institution that issues those IDs, precisely because uh, the binariness of, of categorized genders are being imposed on them. So Dito Sa California, for example, um, it was only in, in recent years that your um, driver's license, um, now you have an option to actually choose like X as opposed to male and female. So what we're seeing here is that um, as we look at our IDs and as we develop IDs in the future, um, we need to know that these, these records are supposedly dynamic and should reflect um, how culture is conceiving and reconceiving itself in terms of, of our diverse identities. Um, it's a challenge though, because they balance the functionality of an ID with um, the expression of one's identity, which sometimes uh, would really clash with each other. Although I wonder if that is still an ongoing challenge when it comes to the physical identification itself, especially in today's consciousness of data protection and data privacy, when you're talking about what should be in the ID in the first place, is given that the ID is created to evidence a particular function. So as a student, as a driver, and so on, all you need to do is to show that the individual possessing that identification has the right to do whatever or has the right to engage in whatever activity the ID is supposed to permit, which means things like gender, things like age, birthday, um, height, weight, mass, or whatever you want to call it, shouldn't be in the ID anymore. It should be in the databases that those IDs are providing access to. But at the same time, we should have greater consciousness of how we are structuring those databases and how we are enabling people to define their identities. I remember when I went to get my um, ID for UCL and one of the questions was, 
what do you want to be known as? This is a common problem, especially for names which, which are not usually found in English and have lots of syllables. But for me, it was really important because while my given name is Jonathan, I prefer to identify as Nathan. And part of obtaining that identification, my school ID is saying, my, my given name is Jonathan, but I want to be known as Nathan. And that is embedded into the creation process of the ID. So to that point, it's not, it's not that difficult to do. It's not that difficult for institutions such as our schools, even our government, our place of work. Uh, it's not that difficult to accommodate those things. Uh, it's just that, wala, nakasanayin na nila eh. Pero may, 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 may image sila na parang ito dapat yung itsura ng isang IT. Um, but if having these conversations um, and having our administrators, our records managers, whoever designs the IDs understand that, no, our IDs are not only mechanisms of, of uh, control and access. This is really, this means a lot in terms of, of identity formation as well, or identity assertion of individuals. You know, we have to be sensitive about, about these things. Parang, ano ba naman yung bigay ka ng ilang extra options, di ba? <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not that difficult. Well, I remember what, Remember when I was in Singapore, uh, whenever we filled out forms, could be a, it could be an application form for a research grant or whenever we fill out forms, they would usually ask about our race, like, um, are you Chinese, Indian, Malay? There are only three categories there, <laughs> Chinese, Indian, Malay, and others. So as a Southeast Asian Filipino, so I would always use others. So I think um, in, in their database, in the fields of information that they're expecting to be filled out, these are just the three categories. You know? So meron pang iba, Kaiser Igor, I remember, when he's filling out this form in his university in South Africa, his categorization is on Pacific Islander. Yeah, so... I mean, uh, going back to Bonus um, point about second categories for for people's identification for their own identification. Sometimes it's really messy. It's really messy in a sense that we're putting a lot of limits to people without even asking them or without even knowing how they want to be identified. So, gender is and that's the problem. When the moment you put things in boxes there will be things that won't fit in those boxes. And those things that don't fit in those boxes are automatically excluded. You're engaging in othering. And the records, by their very nature, propagate this act of othering, propagate this injustice. Yes, that's true. Um, but we can't help it. We need to set this category so that we put order, right? Even as librarians, as archivists, as records managers, we always set these categories, parame order. So that's our traditional um, conception of how records management or how archiving works. So yeah. the key there, the key there, lang is yes, because we of course we understand like the functions of categorizations and classification. But what we need to be reminded are that these categories and classifications are not fixed. Uh, yes. that they're ever evolving. That they can. Mm -hmm that they can constantly be questioned and they, they should be questioned and they should grow and develop um, as we move forward as well. So 
um, yeah, like it's really just that, right? Like balancing the functionality of these categories while at the same time uh, constantly uh, critiquing it to, to make it better for everyone. And that should be done by archivists and records managers, that they should be more open to that, that there, there might be categories, but we should always think about, okay, what would happen in the future? These categories could evolve. Um, the, the, we should be more, I, I remember one thing about imaginaries, Jonathan, like we have to be more imaginative and be more open to the changes and, you know, um, these things, these issues. Yeah, um, and as well, it highlights the involvement of the records manager or the archivist all throughout the records creation process, not just after the records have been created. Archivists should be actively involved in defining the structure of records even before they have been published or created. Yeah, that's like, that's that's one key thing I always uh, uh, remind um, records managers when we do consulting work for um, corporations or, or other institutions like always have your records manager and archivist anytime you create forms or documents um, at the point of the design of the document um, or at the point of the design of the record or in the case of what we're talking about now um, in the design of the ID um, and what categories are because are, like ideally your records manager should be able to know and identify is this is this field really important? As yung pinoit out ngan Jonathan kanina, do we really need this in the first place? Mm -hmm. Or at or in addition, ano ba talagang talaga kailangan makita dun sa sa ID? So bakit bakailang ba talaga ng picture? Bakailang <laughs> ba talaga yung buong address? Pati yung ano? Bakakailangan din ng ano ng um, what homework actually. Meron din yung homework. Or or star sign. I want to know. I want in all of my IDs to know that I'm a Libra. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is the practical implication or um, practical example on records life cycle and records continuum. So, these are the two main theoretical concepts in archives and records management. That in records continuum, um, the archivist and the Records managers are working closely together upon the creation of a record or a document. So unlike in the records life cycle, it's highly time bound. So aside from this uh, limitations that we're discussing, the limitations of identification cards, um, there's also an issue about expiration, right? I don't know. I mean, why do you think there, why do you think ID cards expire? I think fundamentally it brings us back to the concept of records for control. The reason you want identification cards to expire will be that once it expired, the person who has that ID will be forced to either undergo the process of obtaining a new identification along with the corresponding bureaucracy and financial motivations of doing so. And at the same time, it allows you to um, take away that right from others that you feel don't deserve them anymore or shouldn't have them anymore. So also it has something to do with the services that you can obtain or avail of. For example, you only paid for this number of services in this number of years. So don't ka lang entitled. 
So other than that, no, you have to apply for another identification or you have to renew, for example, your membership. But how about in the case of uh, driver's license, for example, Jonathan, you have one. So um, is it difficult? Is it difficult to, to obtain or to renew your driver's license well, once it has expired? No, provided you don't have any traffic violations logged with um, the LTO and MMDA, it's a simple process of queuing, having your photograph taken, and updating your details. Especially now that the period for expiry of our driver's license have been extended, I think. It used to be three years, and now it's five years. I think with the concept of renewal, it's more of a differentiation between what is a privilege and what is a right. Driving and the ability to drive would be a privilege. But things like voting, the, what do you call the ID for voter's ID? Voter's ID, I have it, I have it here. So the voter's ID does not expire. Yeah, it, does not, it doesn't expire. But, but then it gets you thinking, if it doesn't expire because it's a right, What's the purpose of having a picture in that voter's ID? Oh, that's a good question because uh, I read a blueprint in that voter's ID. So whenever I use that ID or whenever we go to the precinct vote every election, they would look at me, <laughs> the judgment, right? Like you, and you, you, you look so much better than, you look so much better now than before. Uh, so would I take it as a compliment or so? Yeah, so I, I, I don't know why, probably because again, for identification, just to, just to make sure that you are, you are the person holding that ID, so you're the one who really wants it. Yeah, sure, but I, I, was, I was about to say, I actually like what um, Nathan just mentioned as well, because, so I understand, for example, um, like a, a student ID, right? So your student ID should generally be valid for like a year or just a quarter. Um, and you, you should get another ID the following year because they don't know if you've matric matriculated, right? Or for like your ID for the gym, um, it's tied up to like your membership fees. So like if you paid your membership fee for a year, then it should be valid for a year. So, so there, is a, there, is, there is a rationale why these particular identification expires. But as Jonathan mentioned, we can then start questioning why certain IDs, like the voter's ID, why should it expire? Like everyone at a particular age, when you're 18, you should have the right to vote. Um, and that, that right can never be taken away from you or should never be taken away from you. Um, and because of that, like why even bother giving voter's ID? We're in, like each, each precinct is supposed to have their own parent list ng mga pwedeng bumoto, right? And then we can have different IDs anyways. So um, I would generally agree with, 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 with Nathan, wherein there's, there's, the government sometimes just wants to earn money. And imagine X number of money, X number of, of IDs times X number of costs would be like millions of pesos uh, that would go to the government for a record that is actually not needed. And that makes me think of the passport, for example. Why does a passport expire after, well, now it's 10 years, but why not just renew the passport when you've run out of pages to use in it? Yeah. Maybe from the Department of Foreign Affairs, right? The reason is why. <laughs> so if yeah, anyone... Yeah. Yeah, but I agree. Like, the mere fact that they extended it 
from what five to ten years is arbitrary it's like why so what, what suddenly was like why so if anyone from the dfa is listening ring us up and we'd love to have you as a guest in our program yeah. we'd love to hear from you please enlighten us and, and don't, don't get me started on um, identifications like for cars um, I think it was like several years wherein um, everyone paid for like bagong plaka, uh, but they never, oh, yeah. Yeah. never arrived. But we all paid for it. It's like where is that money? It's another set of like paying for a record or a document that has zero function. Um, or in this case, never should nag 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 materialize. Just na naman, nagalit na naman ako sa gobyerno. Well, full disclosure, I paid for it and I got mine in time, so <laughs> I couldn't really complain. <laughs> and there's another issue about IDs and government records again. Um, there has been a um, discussion about the national ID system. One of the, I think one of the reasons why we have this multiple IDs and a lot of inefficiencies with consolidating our information is that we don't have a national ID. So I think it, uh, well, in, in the records management point of view, having a national ID would be really good. But then again, there's always a question on trust, public trust and, you know, authority. Very tricky. I'm sure we can have like one episode just talking about this particular yeah. proposal. Um, mm -hmm. Very tricky. And talking about the national ID system, uh, one of the things I'm also wondering about is, should IDs be physical in the first place? Mm -hmm. A key component of a national ID system will be the ability to integrate different services and connect to that identification. So if you are connecting those services anyway, why not just go with some sort of biometric identification rather than having a physical card that you have to show people? Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, same issues of privacy, trust, authority. Yeah, privacy, trust. Yeah, it's always like that. Public trust is always connected with record keeping, records management, records creation. So, if there's no public trust, what can yeah. I do? And an additional layer, an additional concern there is um, not everyone will be, will have access to getting such an ID. So, yes. there will be people that will um, be counted and people who won't be counted. Um, that means certain individuals will have access to certain services and certain mm -hmm. individuals won't have access to certain services. Um, so unless the government, um, unless we, unless the citizens trust their government um, and unless the government can ensure that everyone will be counted and the system is inclusive, I think it's very tricky uh, to actually, or rather problematic to have a national ID system. Um, I'm personally very iffy about it. Um, I'm personally in support of it because I like the idea of integration and it reminds me of one of the comments that we had in the first episode asking about the surveying from different agencies in the household. So they've got five different visits from five different people mm -hmm. asking the same sort of information and as much as possible in records management, we want to reduce this information silos. But part of reducing these information silos is increasing trust and as well increasing confidence in the authorities that maintain these records. 
na basically nangyayari kasi dyan, basically what's happening, what's, what's happening here is that we have a record that authorities do not trust. So they're gonna put another set of records yeah. to address that insecurity. And then another set of records to address that insecurity. So in the case of a voter's ID, you have like a roster of list of people in the precinct to vote. But even that, they're not quite trusting of that particular thing. So then they'll require you, yeah, they'll require another set of ID and another set of ID. Um, which the bottom line here is that even the government, they don't trust the, the record system that they have in place, the, the, the identification they have set in place. Um, and they're trying to solve it by just slapping another one, which they also don't trust. Um, so. Um, yeah, because of the insecurity, you know. And then the, the, the bad thing about it is that they're putting more burden to people. Like, okay, um, you have to apply for another ID for you to secure the services, for you to avail of the services, or even to do your right, your right to vote, for example, or even your right and privilege or privilege to travel, right, for instance, or even to drive your own car. So, so yun yung nagiging problema, I guess, because of this, um, I don't want to say inefficiencies, but and insecurities. Ayoko maging negative masyado, pero ganun niya. <laughs> Okay, so talking about uh, the limitations and expiration of identification cards, I remember something that I have to renew my PRC ID soon. It's going to expire. Okay, so I'm pretty sure we have uh, people listening or watching who are not familiar with the PRC ID. What, what, is, what is it exactly? Okay, so PRC stands for Professional Regulation Commission. So they're issuing identification cards to different professions that they have been recognized here in the Philippines. So one of these professions is librarianship. So since I'm a professional librarian, I passed the licensure examination years, years ago. So I have this ID. Jonathan also has one. And yeah. Wait, so are you saying um, if you fail to renew your uh, PRC license ID this June that you can no longer practice librarianship in the Philippines? Is that how it goes? Um, well, that is going to be a long discussion. So that also includes a discussion on professional identity and a discussion about the entire librarianship community here in the Philippines. So maybe we can talk about that next episode. It's about okay. identity and community and records. Okay. So thank you, Bono and Jonathan, for joining us today. And also thank you to our listeners, to our viewers, for joining, for joining this, uh, our second episode. So for this episode, we talked about the importance of records as forms of identification. And of course, just like any type of records, identification cards have limitations. Okay? And we also discussed the primary and secondary values of records. And at the same time, we tried to introduce the concept of records life cycle, records continuum, wherein the archivists and records managers should work together in the creation of records so that proper information would be captured or the needed information would be used efficiently. And also we talked about the categorization and classification that we're using as records managers and even admi as administrators as we use and fill out this identification cards. So hope to see you next episode. 
and that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been For the Record. For the Record is brought to you by UPSLIS. Find out more about the school on our website at upsalias.com. Thank you for watching and please subscribe to our channel for more fun conversations on archives and records. See you soon!